0: Hi again, folks. It's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. First and foremost, let me say, I know some people are thinking, what's going on? You didn't have a podcast online for two weeks, and now we get two in a row. Well, that's how life goes sometimes. We're busy with the shop. I had no opportunity to do it, do anything. Uh, things have calmed down just a little bit, and now I can do other stuff, including catching up on this. So, We're putting out another podcast today, and it's about a very controversial subject, uh, kind of a taboo in the archery industry that some people don't like to talk about, and for other people, it's the only thing they can talk about. And I'll call them the Archery Wars. Now, there's a couple of wars currently ongoing that have been going on for a long time. Um, We're going to cover them one by one. Don't know how long this podcast is going to be. Hopefully, don't go down too many different rabbit holes. You know, the first couple podcasts I'm doing here, the first 10 12 episodes, are pretty much solo episodes, but in the very near future, we'll bring on some guests and some notable shooters in the industry. There might even be some of the people locally here on Staten Island, where we're located, that, uh, that shoot and are always there at the range. And they have a lot to say about different subjects and we'll get an ongoing discussion but this is one of those that i don't want to have any kind of big arguments brewing on a podcast or anything like that i just want to throw out some information there so you know what's going on and the whole point of this is to get you familiarized with what's happening because sooner or later when you're involved in archery you might you know you you might run into this sort of thing and hopefully we can prepare you in a way that You'll be able to handle it and not get drawn into it. So let's start at the very beginning. Okay. One of the main things that is happening, well, has been happening since I'm going to say the early 80s is a debate between traditional archery and compound archery. Now, for those of you who don't know the difference because you're new to this, I'll explain it like this. Traditional archery, that's shooting with a recurve bow. Whether it's a long bow or a recurve, it's not mechanical in any way. Okay, it's the most basic of bows. Going back to the traditional ways of shooting. Now, even they have bickering and discussions, people who do this, on how your equipment should look so there's wars in between them which we're not going to get into like guys who shoot modern recurs versus guys who shoot traditional stick bows or a bow that they've built themselves at, out of a stave that they cut out of a piece of wood somewhere in the, in the woods and they've built and done that for a long time which i do build those kind of bows just so you know not really well known to a lot of people who uh, are familiar with me But yeah, I build those too. Haven't had much time to build any of them lately, but I do build custom bows like that on occasion. So I'm well familiar with that world. A lot of people think of me as just a compound archer. No, I've been around in this so long. I'm very familiar with that world. I just choose not to get involved in the bickering. So those people believe you shooting a compound bow is heresy. People who shoot compounds, there's a certain faction who believe people who shoot traditional are you know it goes beyond old school like why would you shoot that when you can shoot accurately i got news for you people there's people who can shoot a, a recurve like a stick bow better than most people can shoot a compound there's not that many familiar out there because because it's not really widespread in particular in this this type this part of the country but there are people who can absolutely outshoot you with one of those me, I, I kind of take a different path with that. It goes back to a movie I saw many years ago called Quigley Down Under. And the guy was an expert rifleman. And at the end of the movie, he's having a duel. And the guy he's, he's dueling with takes away his rifle. And he says, here, I'm giving you a pistol. We'll see who, who can draw faster. And he looks at it. And he's like, puts it in there. The duel goes down. Quigley shoots the guy dead, and as he's dying, walks up to him and says, I said I didn't much care for them. I never said I didn't know how to use one. I'm kind of the same. Like, I focus on compound. That does not mean in any way I don't know how to use a recurve, because I do. It's just that most people never see me shoot one. You know, John Dudley's the same way. Everybody who knows who he is but if you go back and dig around, and if you've known about him for a long time, he used to shoot recurve. So there are a lot of us out there who do shoot both. And it's not like we're trying to be in the closet about it, but you just don't see me doing it out there because I have more, more call to shoot a compound than I do a recurve these days. But if, being totally honest, I'd rather relax with a recurve than shoot a compound sometimes. But, again, there are factions on both sides who criticize the other side for, for doing what they do. So here's the thing about it. The, the trad people out there, their thing is you're not giving if and it mostly revolves around hunting, okay? Their thing is you're not giving the animal a fair chance. It's like, you know, you're you're taking this advanced advanced weapon out into the woods and it's unfair. Okay? They have limited range. You're shooting 10, 20 yards, maybe 30. If you're an Aaron Snyder, you're shooting way further than that, but whatever. And he's accurate, so no one can say anything to him. But you're shooting, for the most part, very limited short range. Then you have the compound people who are shooting a much more advanced setup, and they're shooting 30, 40, 50. If you're going out west, 100. You know... And then those trad people, and I consider myself a compound shooter or both, but they look at us like, you guys are being unfair to the animal because you can shoot so far and all that. There's people involved who shoot compounds who look at them and say, well, I'd rather overpower an animal or shoot something at a longer distance with a better advantage for me than shoot an unpredictable trad bow and wind up shooting something in the face. And that's an unfair criticism. I'm sorry. It's not true. Yes. Can a compound be more accurate than than a recurve or a traditional bow? Yeah. It's easier to shoot. But if you dedicate time to learning how to shoot a recurve, and you shoot within your known limitations, the advantage is the same. And a lot of people, frankly, and this is going to, Anger some folks. Uh, if you hunt in the Northeast and you're hunting in the Catskills or the woods of New Jersey, chances are you don't have a shot more than 20 yards anyway. For a seasoned trad shooter, whose advantage is it? Is it the compound shooters or the trad shooters? Believe it or not, the advantage for that is sometimes to the trad shooter because they're shooting instinctive or they're shooting another system. But there's no sights. They can just pick up, aim, drop it. With a compound, now you have to focus through the peep. Get, you got to get back. You, you've got, There's a lot of things wrong. Something can go wrong in your release. Something can go wrong in the release of a, of a recurve or a traditional bow as well. But you're not using another mechanical release. You're using your fingers to do it. You can shoot faster. You can, you can shoot within your own known range. he can make that shot over and over again A compound maybe you're shooting at a different angle than you used to you forget to do something you look over your peep or under your peep a lot of things can go wrong in my book advantage trad guy if he's practiced if he's not practiced it goes back to the other thing if you don't practice with your equipment you're not going to hit anything anyway no advantage to anybody so that's that's one of the quote unquote wars that's been going on for ever with that again to me if it gets you in the woods when it comes to hunting and furthering that particular tradition I don't care what you use as long as you practice with it and you're accurate with it go out there and do whatever you want to do okay now sometimes different trends come back Okay, so one of the trends that comes back from time to time is what's new is what's old is new again, and now we've got crossbows involved in everything. You now have crossbows that shoot 400 feet a second or claim to do so, whatever. And I sell PSC, we have crossbows as well. I probably sell in a year. 10% 10% of whatever I sell, as far as the number of bows I sell, might be crossbows. Last year, I think I sold a, f- a few more than that, but it's it's a pretty low percentage here. Down south and other places, there'll be a lot of crossbows. In New Jersey, their bow hunting season, you can use either one. In New York, it's not that way, but it's starting to change a little bit where they're adding a crossbow season during the muzzleloader season, but New York has a lot of weird laws and That's what that's got to do with. But now you've got the compound people who are acting like the old traditional people because they say, no, no, you shouldn't be shooting with that crossbow. It's an unfair advantage. You know, there's no skill in that. You're picking it up and you're shooting it. Think back to the 80s. Guess what the, the traditional people were saying? There's no skill in that. You're picking up. You can learn how to shoot one of those things in two seconds. We all know learning how to shoot a compound bow is not exactly a two-second thing, but you can learn it pretty quickly. And given enough time, I can show somebody how to shoot a crossbow in one day, maybe two, three hours max to get them accurate out to 40, 50 yards if they're willing to learn because most people have already experienced shooting firearms. This is much the same thing. So now you have the compound people yelling at the people with the crossbows, saying, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, what did I just say about the people with the trad stuff? Compound to trad. They don't like each other. They they have arguments. Now, this is not everybody. It's Like I said, it's few and far between who are really, really crazy about this. But I think you'll find, especially when you go to the outdoor shows, there are associations of tr- people trying to get crossbows, you know, wider you know, a wider view of them, you know, here's what we do, and their angles are, and it's not so much an angle as it is fact, it's easier to get someone into into the sport with this implement than it is to get them in with a compound bow because there's more learning and you can get women into it. I got news for you. Some of my girls pull 60 and 65 pounds on their bows. It's not so much a women thing, but there is a learning curve, and I'll give them that. There is a learning curve with that thing. That it's way faster to teach someone to shoot a crossbow than to shoot a compound bow. What they don't tell you on that, and this is not poo pooing on crossbows at all, but I will tell you while it is easier to learn, the safety aspects of it, you have to learn way more important than anything else. Now, for the most part, new crossbows have a guard on it so you can't stick your finger up along along the body of the crossbow. Because guess what? If your finger, your thumb is in that path, and a lot of people when they hold a rifle have their thumb up along the stock, well, if you do that on a crossbow and there's no guard there, when that string comes across, it can take your thumb off. So there is a bigger safety aspect with it that you have to learn and familiarize yourself with with crossbows. But aside from that, they're right. They do get the opportunity to get more people into it. Compounds take longer to learn. Trad bows take longer to learn. But it all boils down to the same thing I was saying before. In the end, if we're talking strictly about hunting here, and you want to keep it going, the worst enemy that hunters as a sport have is themselves! Because they fight with each other constantly. So my thing is, i don't care if you're using a bow compound a trad bow or a crossbow it makes no difference to me if it is a legal implement and you are accurate with it go for yours i don't care frankly if they legalize bazookas to hunt deer and it like i said if they legalized it And that's the way, the only way to get you into hunting. Go for it. Don't care. Yes, that's a little bit extreme. I highly doubt they will ever legalize bazookas. Unless we're talking about Pennsylvania and Texas, in which case anything goes. But who knows? I'm just saying, and I'm kidding about that. Please don't go on anyone saying, Oh, you guys are making fun of people in Pennsylvania and and God's country and the freedom to use all kinds of firearms. I am not. It's a joke. Get over it. Anyway, what I'm saying is, Whatever implement you're going to use that gets you into the field, so be it. I don't care. You know, you got to do what you got to do. So now you have the trad people versus the compound, the compound people versus the trad people, and the crossbow people. And those are two archery wars, okay? There's a third archery war. Now, some will say that this started only recently. Quite honestly, it's been going on for a long, long time. And that has to do with speed. Okay. And this mostly pertains to compound shooters. All right. Speed, speed, speed. Back in the day, and I'm talking about the early 90s when cross, you know, compound bows were were still, I would say, in their infancy, because they came out in the late 70s and 80s, but in the 90s, they were com- becoming more widespread as the sport grew, and bow hunting became more popular. It wasn't just target shooting. We were shooting with aluminum arrows, okay, and 100 grain points, whatever, That was your setup. No matter who you were, you were shooting aluminum arrows. Then all of a sudden we came out with, and and when you bought a bow back then, there was no advertisement for speed. They weren't making a big thing about speed. And then I'm going to say one of the first ones who ever started doing that, PSE had a little bit about it, you know, about starting to advertise speed and their stuff, but the industry trend got to be this is the fastest bow ever. Speed, speed, speed. And it came out around the same time started happening when, when Carbon Arrows came out. Because all of a sudden you had the same, same ability but a much lighter shaft. So when they came out with that, you started seeing bows advertised based on speed. All of a sudden speed was the name of the game. Bowtech came out with a bow called the Destroyer. And they advertised that thing going way back to 350 feet a second and then i think that started the speed wars in between all the different companies this boat does 330 this boat does 340 this boat does 350 as technology gets better the equipment improves and then people trying to reach the speed plateau now we've heard my discussions on ibo ratings how they come about knowing that number and if you've ever talk to me about this i will tell you the ibo rating means nothing because it's based on a 30 inch arrow 30 inch draw um 300 it's 300 to 350 grains i'd have to look it up because like i said it's not something i really pay attention to um at 70 pounds and then people buy a bow and this is why if you buy a bow from me i tell you here's the speed rating on it well, it's not going to be what you get out of this bow because A, you're not shooting 70 pounds. B, you're not shooting a 30-inch draw. And C, you're not shooting a super light arrow. But whatever. So they came out with the IBO numbers, and then all of a sudden people started looking at the IBO numbers, and like, I have to shoot faster and faster and faster. Well, in the way of shooting faster and faster and faster, they started shooting lighter and lighter arrows, and then you started to see accidents with the arrows because there's such a thing as arrow paradox, and if you haven't heard of that, Look it up, it's the serpentine action of an arrow when it leaves the bow from all the pressure. Well, you get too light of an arrow, too light of a spine, and the arrow goes boom, breaks, bow misfires, all kinds of stuff happens. But that's what happens in the speed game. So you'll see that certain of the organizations have speed limits now because they don't want someone shooting such a fast arrow just to gain flat trajectory because then it becomes unsafe in most parts but there's no regulation with that when it comes to hunting. When it comes to bow hunting, it's a kind of a liberal thing because basically you go, you get your your training course if one's required in the state you're in. And besides that, the states, unless you're talking about out west, I'll get into that in a second, have very little regulation on the equipment itself. Out west, you'll see There are some states that don't allow any kind of electronics. That means sight lights or anything like that. And other states have a maximum let-off of like 80%. You'll find bows right now have 90% let-off on them. The PSCs can be adjusted. Some of the other companies can be adjusted. But they will check you out there. I've been out west and they have checked in the field. Run run into, you know, fishing game. And they will check your bow to see if the let-off is there. And if... you're hitting more than 80% let off, better explain yourself, and then it's probably a fine, if not confiscation of your equipment. But that's going down a rabbit hole I'm not going to touch. They have their own reasons for that. It is what it is. Personally, it doesn't bother me because I shoot less than 80% let off anyway. But, again, what I was saying is, you know, the technology changed and everything became about speed. At the same time, there were some people who were shooting aluminum arrows. Actually, I know a few people still shooting aluminum arrows to this day. But you had people shooting aluminum arrows, you know, and they were keeping a heavy weight. So, in order to get speed, you have to shoot something light or be shooting a long draw with heavy, heavy poundage. Well, now you have people who are still shooting aluminums who didn't really care about speed and they were getting penetration like always because I actually found one of my arrows from like 93 or 91 or something like that and for giggles I weighed it and then I weighed one of the arrows that the people saying that they're shooting and they're having problems with whatever so one customer's arrow weighed 382 grains and his pro- his complaint to me was he what you know he hit he hit a deer with one of these arrows and it basically went an inch into his shoulder and fell out. He got no penetration. Okay. He's shooting 60 pounds, super light arrow. Yeah, he's getting like 313 feet a second. But had nothing behind it. So this speed war, the prescribed setup to get speed from the shop he went to was that that recipe for an arrow. When I weighed my arrow that I had back from the early 90s, I'm like, I'm gonna show you something, look at that. And I put it on the scale. Three, three, Less than 400 grains on his, on mine, it was 647 grains. That was a heavy arrow. I was shooting 150 grain Hoyt bullet point. And if you've ever seen one of those things from back in the day, yeah, they didn't fly great, but those things were gigantic. And they weighed a lot. The aluminum from that arrow weighed a lot. The fletchings weighed a lot. It was a very heavy arrow. It was not the fastest thing in the world. I think I got maybe 235 feet a second out of that bow by the time I ever measured it on a chronograph. Back then, only a few places had chronographs. Today, everyone's got one in their garage, and every shop has 12 of them. So again, the speed thing has changed things. But that was... The deal, well, I've been shooting heavy arrow setups for years, ever since then. Even when we went to carbon, I really didn't care. I strapped on one hundred and fifty in the front, heavy, and then I would like to go heavier this way, didn't get affected by the wind. Because those of you who know me, I shoot long distance. I'm not getting into that. It is what it is. Yeah, they're whatever. That goes into another war where I'll get into right after this one. But anyway. I digress. So, I've always shot heavy ones. But, in the last year or two, it's become really, really, you know, a big subject. Because guys who have been shooting these for a long time, you know, I think it started on Archery Talk and then I saw on Facebook. They're like, well, you know, I'm not getting penetration when I'm shooting. And then the, the heavy arrow guys are like, because you're shooting what Troy the Ranch Fairy calls a twizzler at a a deer. You know, so, now it's like you're in one of two camps. You're either in a super heavy arrow, super super high front of center um, EFOC which let me clarify, stands for extreme front of center where most of the weight is in front of the arrow. They're in the EFOC category or they're in the Oh my God, I love my speed. I got to shoot flat because I can't judge distance from my life. And I'm shooting a super light arrow and it's having the effect of a ping pong ball bouncing off a wall. And each one will tell you the goods and the bads of each. And unfortunately, that's like one of the worst arguments in the world today. You go on Facebook, you go on Archery Talk, there's 10,000 arguments about that it's devolved into the point where they're there now groups specifically devoted to one thing or the other i don't care one way or the other i tell you to build a heavy enough arrow to give you a good flight at the distance you're going to be shooting that's going to give you if you're hunting with it's going to give you the penetration that you're looking for and we can get into the mechanics of how heavier arrows penetrate better and all that and what front of center does to an arrow flight We'll do that on another podcast. I dread the day I have to get into that one, but I will, and I'll do it with someone else on the podcast with me to give you two different sides of the coin. But um, yeah, kind of dreading that one. Anyway, you know, the best flying arrow that gives you the best penetration, gives you the best opportunity to harvest an animal ethically, okay? And what's added to this whole thing is that when you see the shows on TV, you see these guys, you know, shooting, whatever, and they make the shot, deer runs off, then they cut back, he's got the deer in his hand, he's like, it's wonderful, and they don't explain a couple of things that happened between, or the fact that it was like the next day that they recovered the deer for one reason or the other, maybe a bad shot. I come down at it like this. The arrow that you should build should be, of a weight which produces the best results, speed makes no difference to me, best results with your given shooting ability. Somebody like a Tim Gillingham, who's a very, very well-known professional archer, someone I've competed against, he'll say he can shoot as light an arrow as he wants. Yes, he can. Why? Tim is a professional archer who's been doing this as long as I have even longer, he also happens to have a 32-inch draw and shoot 70-some-odd pounds. Which means speed is not an issue to him because with that kind of setup, no matter what he shoots, it's going to be fast. Plus, his accuracy is at a level way above what most people will ever be able to get to, so he can pinpoint where he's going to shoot. And with about 95% accuracy, I can tell you he's going to hit it. So he might be able to pick in between the ribs of an elk somewhere and send it right through there. Level of accuracy. Like I said, shoot the arrow that suits your level of accuracy best. He can do that. He can pinpoint. How many people that you know can actually do that? Now, if you combine lack of accuracy with an arrow that's not built to penetrate, your experience may not be the same. So that's why I said, I'm not heavy, I'm not light, I'm not speed-oriented, I'm into whatever is best. So in the the wars, I'm neutral. So far, you know, three wars discussed, I'm in the middle of both. All three. I don't favor one side or the other. Because I have my own set of views that I've accumulated over the years on how to look at each. There's good and bad in each. Don't get me wrong. You have to figure out what works for you. And don't go on the influence of other people. Now, the last war I'm going to talk about has to do with distance shooting. Now, there are people, probably people listening to this podcast, sharpening knives while they're listening to this thinking of what they like to do to me for saying this just kidding but here's the deal distance shooting is something that is very subjective and i'm mostly talking about from a hunting perspective i'm not talking about target because target we can shoot out to 100 120 yards Duly just pulled off a target shot at 500 yards you can look that up on facebook We shoot at targets at all different yards, and no one cares. Why? It's not a living thing. We're not trying to harvest something at that range when it comes to target shooting. So no one cares. I liken it to, you know, and this is true, you go on Facebook, and you post a picture of, and I'm talking about into a non-hunting group, You post a picture of a dead fish that you caught on a trip. No one cares. No complaints. Post a picture of you frying that fish up and cooking it. No one cares. Post a picture of you with a turkey that you shot during the turkey season. No one cares. Particularly on Staten Island where they think that all turkeys should be eradicated. Open up a hunting season. We'll take care of that for you, but... I digress. I'm not getting into that. Same thing. Post a picture of a turkey. No one cares. Post a picture of you cooking and consuming that turkey. No one cares. Post a picture of a harvested deer. The wrong people look at it, and oh my God, the controversy you have just started. Every insult and and slander will hit you on the comments and all that. How dare you from all the, you know, the vegans, the naturalists, the people who buy their meat in the supermarket and don't think that those animals are killed, that the meat is grown that way. Again, a rabbit hole, I'm not going to go down, but ever attend one of my hunting classes and I'll tell you all about those people. Anyway, they'll hit you a thousand times. Post a picture with a bear and you preparing the bear and all that. Same deal. This is what I'm talking about. When it comes to long-distance shooting, like I said, target shooting, post the pictures on Facebook, whatever, nobody cares. So that reaction I told you about, like, they don't care about the fish, they don't care about the turkey, because apparently those animals don't have souls to them. It's the same thing when you talk among hunters, or bow hunters in particular, about the shots that you take. Because there are camps of people who believe it is sacrilege to shoot anything at more than 20 yards while hunting. Okay. Um, Now this one, I do have a side to, but I'll explain that in a second. I'll give you an example. Two years ago, I shot a buck at 93 yards, legally hunting along the edge of a cornfield. 93. Okay. For those people who know me and people from out west, which again, it has to do with the environment you're in, how you're brought up, whatever. Out West, a common shot is 70 yards. Here in the Northeast, again, some people believe anything over 20 yards is sacrilege. So the people from, from the West were like, yeah, great shot. They One shot, down, all over with. 90 plus yards. But the people here in the Northeast who saw that and saw that picture went bananas on it. Now, there's a reason why I didn't post that picture to Facebook, but a buddy of mine did. And... I saw the comments in that thread, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I had him take down the post, whatever. I was like, dude, this is what you're going to get. You should have asked me. But it goes to show different points of view. Again, like I said about the bow hunt, about the trad versus compound, it's a different point of view. Where I come down on this is very simple, but here's why I look at it like this. The people here in the Northeast are used to shoot in very sh- short shots. Believe it or not, in the metro area, okay, and in heavily populated areas, people are kind of limited to shooting in an indoor range at 20 yards. Here on Staten Island, we have the advantage of Willowbrook, where you can shoot up to 60, 70 yards out there, or even longer. But... That's few and far between for people in a metropolitan area to have a place where you can shoot like that. So you're going to see that the first time that people go shoot out there, they're putting their targets at 20 yards. Okay, cool with me. I don't care where you put it. And then they look at me like I have my head on backwards when I'm rolling my target out to 60. When I first get there. They're like, what the hell are you putting your target out there for? Because um, that's where I'm going to shoot today at. And they look at you with this, I don't know, it was hatred or disgust or there's something wrong with you. Like this guy's got some kind of mental problem. Dro- Up until the point where I pull back my first arrow and I drop it right in the middle of the 10 at 60. Or I drop it in the nine at 60. Or I drop it on a field target at 60, 70. doesn't make a difference. Then they kind of shut up about it. But the mentality has become that these people start their own little wars about how far you should shoot. I personally believe it's because they have never had to or had the opportunity to shoot at a longer distance. Like I said, most of them are used to shooting indoors, 20 yards. That's it. So their instinct going to be a compound bow. You should never shoot at more than 20 yards. That's what it is. And they're very, very vigilant about it. And they're very, very opinionated. And it can get into huge arguments. And there's absolute quote-unquote wars on Facebook and archery talk about it. And it has to do with the same thing I said before. If you, in your ability, are able to effectively and efficiently shoot at a given distance, fine. If you can do it, do it. My bow, when I'm sighted out, okay, is sighted to 112 yards. I have a pin that'll get me out to 112. Why? Am I going to shoot an animal at 112? I kind of don't think so. That's the edge of my limit that I would probably shoot at. And it better be a big animal like an elk or something like that. But there's an effective range, which everyone has to know what it is my effective range from experience and because i hunt out west where the average range for a shot is 70 yards it's probably between 90 and 90 and 96 where i'm comfortable and that's if everything is perfect the animal is relaxed the animal is still there's not a lot of wind it's the perfect scenario do i always find that no and that's going to limit the range i'm going to shoot but to me it should not matter how far I shoot, as long as I can do it effectively and ethically. But to these people, they see it as heresy. And again, everyone's entitled to your own opinion. But it's one of those wars, as I'm describing, that's been going down for a long time. Ask somebody out west, like, what's the longest shot you ever ever took? Some will say 90, some will say 75, some will say 120. It really all depends. And to make it, I guess, I may have mentioned this one before, but I'm going to mention it one last time. I was on a hunt a couple of years ago, and <laughs> it was an antelope hunt. And one of the guys that was in the party I was with was from New York City. Did not know him, he didn't know me, but he was from New York City. So the morning of the hunt... We're all talking with the guides who take you out. And the guides out there, there's two different types of guys. There's a guy who's going to get you in front of the animal. There's a guy who's going to tell you where to go. But we're having our talk about, you know, what we can expect. And the guy tells me, he's like, well, he he was familiar with me. He knew He knows what my shooting ability is. And actually, that particular outfitter, which I believe at the time that was Redstone Outfitters, they actually had you shoot to see how far you can actually, actually shoot. And I think he had like a 40-yard target out there. And you had to hit the 40 yards. He wanted to see that you're accurate to some, some point. So the same thing, you know, he, we're talking we're talking to these guys. And the guy says, well, I can get you probably within 75 to 80 for for a completely still shot. And I'm like, I'm cool. I'm good with it. This guy from the city you know he's a very short distance shooter i guess and he had this look on his face he's like what so then they had made an arrangement with him because he had never shot an antelope before with a bow and they said well we're going to put you up on a watering hole we can probably get you within about 45 or something like that 45 out west is like a you know there's a pot shot it's easy to them and this guy's like is there any way for you to get me closer And to them, it was like, are you joking? But as someone who is familiar with how people think, I knew exactly where he was coming from. You know, to them, what's normal to to you is long distance. Again, it has to do with perspective. So like I said, I believe you should be able to shoot as far as as you can accurately shoot and ethically make a shot. No one should be able to tell you this is how far you're allowed to shoot. There's no state regulation anywhere that I know of on the distance you can shoot. So, again, it's one of those archery wars. One that I happen to come down on the other side of it, you know, more towards the long distance side, but is heresy to others. And that, it's a very, I don't know, you you can get very, very into this and You can lose friends over this one depending on how you look at it. You should be happy that someone is able to harvest an animal cleanly, okay? You should. No matter what distance they shot it at, no matter what they used to do it with. If they made an ethical, clean harvest on an animal, I don't care what they're using if it's legal, I don't care how far it was if it was legal. Again, these are just some of the archery wars that are out there. Light arrow, heavy arrow. Do you do you come down on one side or the other? Or are you somewhere in the middle? I try to survive on practicality. I want to be practical about everything. Give yourself the best chance. So that's where I am on all of those different wars. Um so that's it for this subject on our coming podcasts. I'll be discussing heavy arrow builds versus light arrow builds. Um, there'll be a couple of other interesting subjects that we cover besides that. If there's something that you want to hear about, drop us a message at highpowerarchery.com, email us at highpowerarchery at gmail.com. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel Um, you'll be seeing YouTube videos and announcements on the Facebook page about our new YouTube videos that are coming out as we finish up the shop over here with the remodel. We're carving out a section of it for doing videos. And it may not be me doing the video on all of them. I think it's kind of important that I have some of my students do some of the videos too. Some of the girls do the videos so that you can see It's not limited to an expert doing some of this stuff. I teach how to do this. And I want people to see that anyone can do these things. So that they're able to learn on their own. So the YouTube channel coming soon. More podcasts coming soon. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully everybody's staying safe out there. Until the next time we meet. um, Be well. Stay safe. And shoot straight. And we'll see you again.